we are in a series right now called Uphill Habits. And uh, we've been talking about this idea that most people have uphill hopes but downhill habits. Actually, if you got some notes, you can kind of just fill that little blank in. We're going to be filling that blank in for the next, well, next week's our last week of this. But we've been talking about this. Most people have uphill hopes, downhill habits. The beginning of the year, you got uphill hopes. You want to lose weight. You want to save money. You want to give more. You want to you get married. You want to, I mean, maybe, maybe you just want to date. I don't know, you know, whatever it is. I don't know what, what your uphill hopes are. Uh, but we all got these uphill hopes that we have have in our lives. The problem is we all have a lot of downhill habits that prevent us from ever getting into those uphill hopes. And so we talk about we are, Aristotle said, we are what we repeatedly do. So the things that you do in your life repeatedly over and over, that is who you are. We make our habits and then our habits make us. And so we've been talking about this idea based out of Romans chapter 12. And I want to direct your attention there before I share with you habit number three today. But uh, we've been looking at this scripture in Romans chapter 12 that says, fix your attention on God. How many know this year that's a good thing to do? Fix your attention on God and you'll be changed from what? From the what? From the inside out. How many know God does an inside job before he does an outside? He's more concerned about fixing you on the inside than he is about fixing your circumstances. Because if he can fix you on the inside, you can go through anything. So he's going to fix you from the inside out, rec- readily recognizing that he want, what he wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture already, always dragging you where? Down. Remember, downhill habits is a culture and things within us bringing us constantly, bringing us down. But look what God says. It's always going to dr- bring you down to its level of immaturity, but God wants to bring the best out of you and develop well-formed maturity in you. And I, and I can say, not only does God want to bring out the best in you, we want to bring out as a church. That's what we're here for, to help bring out the best in you. And so that's what this series has been all about. It's about we've got habits, but what would it look like if instead of us trying to trying to fix ourselves and do our own thing, what if we brought God into the picture and got some God habits? And what if we started doing those every day of our lives? What could our life look like? And so in week 1, we talked about habit number 1 was that we focus on what I do first. I focus on what I do first. And we talked about everything that you do first has the power to bless the rest. So how you start your day, how you start your week, how you start your month, how you start your year has the power to bless the rest. And so God is a God of first. He wants to be first. If God's on your list, but he's not first, he's not on your list. So that's what we talked about in week one. You go back and watch those any, and listen to any of those videos on our podcast. Uh, habit two, last week, Pastor Bubba brought a phenomenal message talking about that we keep our life aligned with our purpose, that you've got to understand why you exist in the first place. Once you understand why you exist, then you can live out the purposes that God has for you. Most people are frustrated in life because they're not, they don't understand their why. You need to know your why. Why does God got you here on this planet? If, 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 there was, if, it, if the whole goal was just to get you to heaven, God would save you, we'd baptize you, and then leave you under the water until the bubble stopped. And then we'd be like, go be with Jesus. All right. <laughs> you know, next. And would be like, I'm good. You know, so our baptisms, I think, would be pretty low. And so if, if heaven was the, the, the ultimate goal, then... That would be the case. God could just save you and then take you out. But he didn't. He left you here because he's got a purpose for you. He wants to do something with you and through you. Um, and so that's, that's habit number two. Habit number three today is, if you're ready, write this down, is we're going to learn how to control my thoughts. 
We're going to learn how to control my thoughts. Write this down. I will never change my life until I change my mind. I will never change my life until I change my mind. Now, I got some people in here that are going to preach with me today because we're going we're gonna to preach today. Y'all ready? We're going to learn some stuff. We're going to preach. Everybody ready today? I need... Listen, you ain't at the movies. You ain't watching me, okay? I need some interaction here. I need an amen. Let's go. Come on. Just, just look at me and go, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't care. It don't matter. Listen, the more you respond to me, the faster I preach and the quicker you can get to Shoney's, all right? So I need to, <laughs> or wherever you go, okay? So just gave some shout out to Shoney's today. So uh, I need some interaction today. Let's, let's look at this verse real quick because if we're going to change our life, we've got to change our mind. But Romans chapter 12, verse 2, we just read it in the message translation. Let me show you what it is in a different translation. It says, the New Living Translation says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Why? Because we saw in the other one, it says it'll bring you down. It'll drag you down. But, look, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you, everybody say it? Think. Changing the way that you think. Now listen to me very closely when I say this. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote this book, he wrote this book to the Romans, okay? The Roman church, actually, the the Christians that were in Romans. He wrote it to Christians, okay? So what we find out real quick, though, is he doesn't write it to people that are not Christians. He's writing to people that are Christians, and this is what he's saying. Notice what he's saying. He's saying, don't copy the behavior of this world, but let God transform you by the way that you think. So this is what he's really saying. You can be going to church and be saved, but you cannot be transformed. There are people that are saved but not transformed. He's talking to Christians here. He's going, listen, don't copy the behavior of the world. You need to let God transform the way that you think. He needs to transform you. So if I want to change life, i got to change my mind. And so I want us to to do two things. We're going to do a part one in this message and a part two. Part one, I'm going to talk about the theology of thinking and where this comes from and why is it so important that we control what we think about. And then the last part, we're going to get real practical and I'm going to help you uh, take away some things that you can do tomorrow. So first part, if you're taking some notes, I want you to write this down. Everything begins with a thought. Everything begins with a thought. Everybody say that with me. Everything begins with a thought. Everything begins with a thought. Matthew chapter 13. Now this is, I don't think this is in your notes. Um, I stayed up last night just really wrestling through this message more and more and I started adding a bunch of stuff. So if you want to just, there may be some things that are not on your notes. You can add them on the side. Matthew chapter 13 is the story of the parable of the seed and the sower. That there was a sower that went out and sowed seed. He sowed seed and, uh, and he sowed it in different soils. He sow, sowed it on the hard soil the birds came up, swooped up, and took it. He sowed it in rocky soil, and the rocks uh, didn't allow the seed to grow roots, and so it died too. Then the, he sowed it in thorny soil, and the thorns grew up, and they, they choked out the seed. And then he sowed it in fertile soil, good soil, and it produced a hundredfold. It had a great return. So after he said, Jesus said this parable, the disciples says, what is all of this seed and soil and rocks, and what's all this about? And Jesus says, well, this is what it is. The seed represents the word of God, and the soil represents your heart. Now, if you know anything, every time you see the word heart in Scripture, it's not talking about this, you know, organ that's pumping in your body. It's actually talking about the seat of your emotions, your heart, your thinker, your feeler, your chooser. All of that is at your heart. Um, Everything is within your heart. And he says, listen, your soil, the soil of your life, the field of your life is like your heart. It's your thinker, your feeler, your chooser, your emotions. The seed is the word of God that's planted inside of your heart, inside of your lives. And so those who have good soil, good hearts, the, the word of 
God flourishes in their life. Other people that have rocky or, or thorny soil that the word of God doesn't do anything. It's the same reason why you can sit in this message right here and some of you will walk out at the end of this go, and that was the most best message I've heard. He is amazing. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> you will walk out of here. Some of you will walk out of here and go, and it's okay. So how can the same people in the same place hear the same message and one responds one way, man, God really spoke to me, and another one goes, it was okay. It's the soil. And all of us are responsible for the soils of our own heart. So Matthew chapter 13 now, it goes down a couple more verses. You can go read this whole chapter yourself, but he goes down a couple more verses, and this is what Jesus says. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted what? Everybody say it again. Good seed, good seed. How many, how many know the preaching you get from up here is good seed? Amen. You better, okay. Good seed in his field, okay? So yet again, field, soil, they go hand in hand. Soil represents your? Okay, man, okay, I got to start back all over again. Okay, the field and the soil represents your? Okay, so you get good seed planted in your heart, in your field, now watch this. But that night as the workers were asleep, the enemy, I mean, oh, there's a real one out there. Now watch what he does. He comes and he plants weeds among the wheat and then he slips away. He didn't plant weeds, by the way. You know what he planted? Seeds. Seeds become wheat, by the way, uh, weeds. So the enemy comes in and he slips in and he plants seeds. Notice when the workers are sleeping. That is a picture of us that when we're not conscious of what we're thinking about in our heart, that the enemy comes in and he slips in and he sows weeds into our hearts and our minds. He's sowing. And so today, can I tell you, we need to stay woke. We need to stay woke. Really? The enemy is always working. He's always planting. He's always throwing seeds our way. We've got to stay woke in our lives because everything begins with a thought. By the way, an affair begins with a thought. A divorce begins with a thought. Okay, everything that we look in our lives that has been either good or bad, a great business, successful business, begins with a thought. A great marriage begins with a thought. And so I, if I'm going to change my mind, I've got to stay woke to the strategies of the enemy that everything begins with a thought. And so he's going to come and plant seeds. So I want to tell you just two things. This is extra. This is lanyap. It's on your, not in your notes, but if you want to write it, two areas you've got to stay woke in. You've got to stay awake in your influences. Got to watch your influences. Your influences are huge. How many know news? You turn on the news. It can sow seeds of fear, sow seeds of worry. You know, you watch one newscast, and you know, it was like, don't drink tap water. You'll die. And then it's like, you need to drink bottled water. And then, you know, the next week, it's like, bottled water, plastic is bad. Don't drink that. And it sows these seeds and government shutdowns and all these things. And how, how many know worry and fear? And it's a seed that gets planted. You scroll through your Facebook feed or your Instagram feed and it's planting seeds of, of insecurity and, and comparison. And you go, my life, look, oh man, they've got the greatest marriage and oh, they've got the greatest kids and the greatest life and oh, if only if I could have that. And it sows these seeds within us. You listen to music and you watch certain movies that sow either fear or maybe ungodliness and they sow, you watch these shows that are, that are uh, allocating that it's okay for you to, to do certain things that you know God doesn't, is not pleased with and it's sowing these seeds. Are y'all with me? 
These are seeds in our life. How many know negative people are contagious? Any of y'all know some negative people? How many of you are sitting by? No, don't do that. Okay, all right. (laughs) Negative people are contagious, man. Just like the flu, okay? So, listen, they'll cough all over you and get you all negative. You'll come home and you'll be all negative and you're trying to figure out what's going on. How many know this? Racism is a seed. Nobody is born racist. They've learned that through other people, through a parent or through an uncle or through a grandparent, and, and they've had this seed of racism that was sown into their lives, and it was watered, and here they are. They grow up this way because it was a seed. Y'all with me? Everything begins with a thought. Everything begins with a seed. We need to watch our influencers because I have learned if you're negative or if, you're, if, you're, if you speak down of things, and, and I let you in my mind, you've got me. I can't let you in my mind. I've got to, sometimes, how many know tomorrow you're going to get a conversation, somebody's going to call you, and you're going to look at them, and you know this is negative Nancy, and you'd be like, no, 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 you're not a Monday conversation. I'll see you on Friday, maybe. I'll, you a Friday conversation. I ain't starting my week off with negative Nancy. Y'all with me? Voicemail, all right? You go talk to somebody else. Because we got to watch our influences. we got to stay awake in these areas. The enemy uses that. Let me tell you where else the enemy sows seeds is in your injuries, in your injuries, when you're hurt. Enemy will sow lies when you are hurt. You know why? Because when you are hurt, when you're injured, you are open. You are open. And so when you've been hurt by somebody, you've been offended, listen to me very closely, and when you've been offended by somebody or something has happened and now you have an open wound in your heart, now all of a sudden you're looking for more offenses. Some of you walked in here today and somebody didn't look at you and you're like, eh, look at them. They think they're all better than me. Won't even shake my hand. Don't even looking at me. <laughs> you know what that is? A seed that was planted into your mind that now you're just looking for everything to confirm that lie. Because you've been hurt by something or someone, or maybe someone's hurt you in some way, and you're just constantly looking for ways. Or let me put it this way, maybe, you, maybe you're going through a really, really hard time right now. You, maybe you lost your job, or your finances are just really bad, or maybe your marriage is not good, and you've been coming to church for a little while, and you, you know, I'm, I love my church, you got the I love my church shirt, you got it all, and then all of a sudden, everything in life is going downhill, and here comes the enemy going, see, following Jesus, that ain't right. That ain't going to help you. Look at you. Your life is worse. It's worse right now than when you said, you know, you're going, you're giving your money, you're trying to do this 21-day fast, you're giving up food. I mean, who gives up food? I mean, that's crazy. We're in Cajun, Louisiana. Who gives up food? And here you are. Your life is not producing the fruit that you think it should produce. And so here comes the lies of the enemy of, you know what, just go back to what you were doing before. It's a lot better that way. It's a lot easier that way. Have you ever heard these lies? Seeds of thought. It comes into our hearts and minds. So we got to stay woke on our influences. Got to stay woke on our injuries. Let me give you number two. Everything begins with a thought. Number two, how I think determines how I feel. How I think determines how I feel. Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7 says this. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks, as she thinks in her heart, so is he. So the seed comes into our lives, and it is a lie. But we have bought into this lie. We have believed this lie. And now this lie resides in our heart. And as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you don't like the direction of where your life is going, you need to change your thinking. You have believed a lie. And if you don't like where you're, how you're feeling, you need to change the way you're thinking. 
I wrote this down. You can't have a positive life with a negative mind. You can't have a positive life with a negative mind. You have got to allow God to change the way you think. You got your thinker, your feeler, your chooser. Some of us have, de- have made decisions based off of how we felt. The problem is your feelings are always failing you. They're always, they're always um, lying to you. And so we've lived based off of our feelings. And then we make decisions that are based off of our feelings. And then it comes back around. And then we, make, we think these bad things because of the way that we're feeling. I'm determining today that we're going to make decisions based off of what God speaks. And we're going to think the right things so we can feel the right way so we can make the right decisions. How I think determines how I feel. All right, number three, my thoughts determine my destiny. My thoughts determine my destiny. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse two says, wise thinking leads to right living. (laughs) This is the Bible, all right? Stupid thinking leads to wrong living. I mean, some of y'all need to put this on your car, okay? Just see it everywhere. Wise thinking leads to right living. Stupid thinking leads to wrong living. Wherever your mind goes, your life goes. Wherever your mind goes, your life goes. So let me show you the domino effect of how this plays out. You ready? Here we go. So you sow a thought, and when you sow a thought, you reap an action. So as I'm thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it, eventually I start doing it, okay? Then you go from that, from sowing an action, to reaping a habit. So what I think about, I start doing. Then I start doing it more and more, and then it becomes a habit, which has been this whole series is let's change our habits. The problem is you can't change your habits unless you change your thoughts. So you change your thoughts, which changes your actions, which changes your habits, but if you don't do that and you reap a habit, then you start sowing a habit, which eventually reaps a lifestyle. So this, that's just who I am. I'm just an addict. That's just how I am. I just, I just, I'm just an angry person. I, I'm just, I can't have good relationships. It's just, this is how it is. I can't have a good marriage. It's just how it is. That's just how I am. But well, the reason is, is because it began with a thought, which reaped into an action, which reaped into a habit, which reaped into a lifestyle, which ultimately, well, when you sow a lifestyle, it reaps a destiny. So you start living out the things that you've been doing habitually over and over again. Notice that the end is destiny, but the beginning is a thought. Everything starts with a thought. Everything that you look at right now in your life, where you are, began with a thought. But it it determines your destiny. Romans chapter 8 verse 5 says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature. Okay, let me just explain this real quick because immediately when we think of sinful nature, especially people that are in church, that have been churched for a while, they think of, yeah, all those adultery, fornicator, lustful, swearing, you know, just foul people that are sinful. No, 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 no. Sinful is anything that we put that's above God. Sinful is anything that we make in our lives greater than God. God gives us good things, but how many know we can take good things and make them God things, and then they become sinful things? Okay? So anything that puts God not in his rightful place is sinful in our lives. And it says those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit which is how we want to be controlled, think about things that please the spirit. Now watch this. If, circle that in your notes if you got that. If, underline that. That's huge because that's conditional there. That means you and I have got a choice. If, if your sinful nature controls your mind, then it's going to lead to where? Where is it leading? It's going to lead to death, okay? It's going to lead to death. If you're constantly thinking about things that are not of God. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, what you going to get? There's what? Come on, how many want some of that? Life and peace. Life and peace. Life and peace. 
Well, if you want life and peace, you got to think through that. Your life will move in the dominant direction of your thoughts. Your life will move in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. Whatever you're thinking about constantly, your life is going in that direction. Direction. So that's the theology of thinking. Let's talk about now some practical things on how do we change the way that we're thinking. How do we change our mind? Three ways. Write these down. Number one, find a plan to help control my thoughts. Find a plan to help control my thoughts. Oh, I'm so excited to show you this. I don't think this is in your notes. It might be. I don't remember. Matthew chapter 4. I want to show you something. I don't think it's in your notes. So if it's not, you can just follow along with me. Um, is it in there? Yes. Awesome. Okay. Watch this. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. I couldn't remember if I did it before or after my notes. Then, we'll get back to that, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Let's just pause real quick right there. Okay, this is the story of Jesus going into the wilderness, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, and then being tempted by the devil. How many know this story? Um, this is a very familiar passage, which all, the, all, all of a sudden immediately already messes with a lot of our theology are, are already, is that if we love God and serve God, then the devil will have nothing to do with us. <laughs> uh, but notice he was led by who? He's led by the Spirit of God into the wilderness, um, and he was tempted by the devil, which I think is, is, is for a reason. See, because when Jesus died on the cross, he did that because uh, of our salvation. But when Jesus lived his life for us, we see that all this life that Jesus lived. Because how many of you know Jesus could have came down as a man, died on the cross, and been done? Right? I mean, he, he didn't have to come as a baby, go through all of that, live his life 33 years, and then eventually die on the cross. He could have literally came down paid for the sins, and then said, peace be gone, awesome, believe in me, let's do this. Could he have not? So why did he choose to come as a baby, live a life like we live, and then ultimately die? Because I believe that the reason Jesus did that, could it be that the God the Father led him into the wilderness and let him be tempted by the devil so that he could teach us something? I think Jesus' life was teaching us. He was teaching us how to live for God and what happens when we do this. Okay, so this is how it begins here. But you've got to realize it starts with then, then Jesus. So I've got to understand, in order to understand Matthew chapter 4, I've got to understand where did then come from. So there was a then before it. So we've got to back up. Okay, so now we've got to back up to Matthew chapter 3, which I have, should be in your notes. Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 16. The last two verses of that chapter says, as soon as Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, by the way, he went up out of the water and at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending on him like a dove and alighting on him. So the Holy Spirit comes down, heaven's open. And here we go. Watch what this next verse says. And a voice from heaven said, this is my what? This is my son in whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Okay, this is very, very important. So the father God the Father looks down at his son coming up out of that baptism water and says, this is my son. I love him so much and I am so well pleased in him. Now you have to understand just a couple things real quick. And first off is, is that notice that God the Father was well pleased with Jesus and he hadn't even performed one miracle yet. He hadn't done one thing yet. He hadn't, he hadn't raised anybody from the dead. He hadn't delivered anything. He was just his son which speaks to all of us that are performance-oriented, that feel like the only way we're validated and the only way that people love us, the only way that people approve of us is when we do good things, when we do the right things. But God says, I love him, and he hadn't even done anything yet. Right. Now notice, he was affirming his identity. 
You are my son. I love you, and I am so pleased with you. Okay, so that's verse 17. Ready? Let's jump to chapter 4 now, verse 2. So after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, oh, let's watch. If you are what? If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. If you are the son of God, underline that. If you are the son of God. Okay, go back real quick. Go back with me to Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. Let's just go back two verses before. This is my son in whom I'm love and, and I'm well pleased. Do you notice that the first thing that the enemy attacks is what? His identity. It's the first thing that the enemy goes after is the, the seed of God's affirmation was planted into the heart of Jesus. I love you. You are my son. I am so well pleased with you. And two verses later, the enemy goes, are you really his son? Are you really? Do you notice that as soon as God's word gets planted in our heart, here comes the enemy wanting to speak a lie to that word that was spoken into our hearts. And here he comes and he speaks this thing and the enemy engages him in this area. Now, how many of you know that if God the Father said, you are my son, how many of you know that settles it? Right? But how many of you know that the enemy is always trying to keep us unsettled in the areas that God wants us to be settled in? So God says, you're my son. I love you. And here comes the enemy. And he's trying to unsettle him in an area that he should be settled in. Why is he doing that? Because the God the Father knows, uh, or the enemy knows, that if he can get Jesus unsettled and doubting if he really is the son of God, how many know he can't carry out his plan of what he really was supposed to do with his life? And isn't that how the enemy works with us? We hear a message, we come to church, and we hear, God's got you. He can provide for you. And then Monday morning, you open up your checking account, and it's like, I don't see it. <laughs> Are we speaking some truth here? Here, come, wait, wait, here comes the seed. Ready? God's not a provider. God's not faithful. God can't do that. And where God has been trying to get you settled in, that he can take care of you greater than you can, here comes the enemy trying to unsettle you in the fact that God can't do that. God can't do that. God can't do that. Isn't that how God, uh, the enemy worked in the very beginning with Adam and Eve? God told Adam and Eve, you can have everything, all of this garden. It's all yours, but there's this one tree, one tree. Just don't eat this one tree. It's not fruit. Don't eat that. It'll lead to death. Don't do that. And here comes the enemy. Hey, Eve, what's up, girl? How you doing? Man, you see these trees? are nice trees, huh? Y'all saw that tree over there? Yeah, God said I shouldn't touch that tree. Oh, did he really say that? Yeah, I can't, I can't touch that. If I touch that, it w we'll die. You know, you won't die. You know, here's the truth. God's actually holding back from you because he knows if you ate that, you'd be just like him. And here comes the lie. If I would do this, so, so she, she, she partakes, she gives to her husband. Because the enemy allowed her to be unsettled in an area that God wanted her to be settled. Listen to me very closely in this. The only power a lie has is your belief. The only, lie a power, the only power a lie has is your belief. The mood of your mind is reflective of who you let have the last word. I'm going to say that one more time. The mood of your mind is reflective of who you let have the last word. If you let the enemy have the last word, your mood will reflect that. But if you let God have the last word, come on, you know, your mood will reflect that too. You got to let God have the last word. Because notice, notice what happens. Now, I want you to see what happens in this next verse. So the enemy comes and says, if you are the son of God. And watch this. And the tempter came to him and said, and now look in verse 4, it says, and Jesus what? 
And Jesus answered. Look at the next verse. Uh, in verse 6, and the enemy says, if you are the Son of God, he says it again, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. And verse 7 says, and Jesus answered him. Now look at the next one. <laughs> and the enemy says, all this I'll give to you. And if you bow down and worship me, Jesus, and, and then Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended to him. Listen, when the enemy speaks to you, you better open your mouth and talk back. You better talk back. This is what Jesus did. He talked back. Because here's the deal. Listen, you can't outthink the devil, but you can't outspeak him. You can't outspeak him. And maybe, just maybe, that the enemy is playing in your mind and he's talking to you and he hasn't left is because you ain't talking back. So he gets to just stay there and talk to you all day long because you aren't taking the authority that you actually have. Which says, if you say, Satan, you be gone in Jesus' name, he's got to go. But some of it, he's just talking in your mind because you're letting those influences in your mind, you're letting it just continue to play in your mind, and you ain't saying anything. So he's just picking on you all day long. It's like a bully, just picking on you, picking on you, picking on you, picking on you. Finally, you get enough, and you go and you punch him in the face. And that bully's like, oh, he fights back. Okay. And that bully ain't picking on you as much. I'm just telling you right now, you better have a plan because you're going to get some lies that are coming your way and you better have a plan on how you're going to control your thoughts. God's plan, Jesus' plan, what he teaches us is that when the enemy spoke to him, he just spoke back. He just talked back. Talk back. Everybody say talk back. Number two, find a person to help find, uh, fight my thoughts. Find a person to help fight my thoughts. I need people in my life that can help me fight these thoughts. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. This is Paul saying, the weapons we fight, we fight, we fight, we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they are divine powers to demolish strongholds. Let me pause real quick on, on this verse. They, are, they, are, they have the divine power to demolish stronghold. Stronghold is just another word for, let me write, I wrote it down. This is how you define a stronghold. A stronghold is a negative attitude that, ref, that comes as a result of believing lies. A stronghold is a negative attitude that comes as a result of believing lies. Lies. The word stronghold in the Greek can mean two different things. It can mean a fortress and it can mean a prison. It can mean a fortress and it can mean a prison. A fortress is a, is a huge, huge castle of some form. High, high walls, very, very thick walls designed to keep the enemy and intruders out. But it also can be described as a prison. And a prison keeps people in. Do you know that the lies that you believe constantly can keep people out and keep you in? Right? There's reasons why some people will never leave their house because of fear. Won't leave their house. People that are driven by fear because it, they, they can't leave. They literally are prisoners to their own mind. And, 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 and maybe that's not for you because you're here in church. But I can tell you right now, you're prisoners to certain things in your mind. And this, this verse says that we're, we're going to demolish these strongholds. And it says we're going to do that. Watch what the next verse says. It says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And now watch this. And we take captive every what? Every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought. Every thought. Now, I want you to notice. It says, it doesn't say me demolish arguments. It says... We, because we 
is always better than me. And maybe, just maybe, some of the reasons why you can't get over the hurdles in your life is because it's a lot of me and very little we. Do you ever notice that some of the weirdest people in our world are the people who are always by themselves? If you don't notice that, <laughs> you said it, not me. I'm just saying, I mean, maybe, just maybe, you might be the me. Can I tell you, I, I, I have had a, the enemy constantly bombards me with thoughts, constantly. I'm so thankful for a wife, credible wife that speaks life into those areas. I'm thankful for Pastor Bubba and, and men of God that I surround myself with. And I, you know, I say things like, I can't do this anymore. I can't go anymore. I, 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 I'm not a good dad. I'm not a good pastor. I'm not a, I, you hear these lies constantly, and it's, it's so important. Listen, it's so important to have people in your life that speak to those lies. I speak truth into those lies. Amen. No, listen, you are anointed. No, listen, you have a purpose. No, listen, y'all with me? Come on, we need somebody that's going to constantly speak into those lies and help tear down those walls. You can't tear down the walls by yourself, but you can with a we. You can with a we. You can with a we. So that's why next week we're going to kick off life groups. We're going to kick off. We're going to launch. Come on, y'all ready? We're going to launch some life groups next week. We're going <clears> to... <throat> And if you listen, if you still want to lead one, we'll do it. We're doing a training this afternoon. Come get trained. We're going to teach you how to how to do this and how to help people. And I want you to get plugged into some people. Get in a get in a group. Get in a group. Get in a group. Get in a group. Because if you're not in a group, you're just weird. Okay, I said it that time. All right, so it's just so true. You need people. Listen, we are a spiritual family. You need family. You need family. You may not even realize it, but let me tell you something. You go through a hardship, and you're going to be thankful you got family when you go through it. Come on, I'm preaching better than some people are amening. All right. Number three, number three, find a place to help fix my thoughts. Find a place to help fix my thoughts. Okay, let's land this plane. So we've got to be cognitive of the thoughts that we are allowing to get put into our minds. We've got to stay woke. We've got to watch our influences. We've got to make sure we stay away from influences that are not speaking truth into our lives and they're speaking lies. And we've got to make sure we've got a plan and we're going to speak God's word and we've got to make sure that we've got people in our lives that are going to help us and speak to lies and different things. But you better find a place that you can fix your thoughts because there are some times where the we can't be there in that moment and you better. You better be able to fix your own. You, be, you better be able to put some things in your life because it's not just good enough that we deflect all the bad stuff. We better put some good stuff in. We better get some good things streaming through us, okay? You can't just say, I'm not going to listen to all that other stuff, but you don't replace it with stuff that is life. So Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Hey, one quick thing, guys. Listen, fix your, everybody say it out loud, fix your, Fix your thoughts on what is true and what is honorable and what is right and what is pure and what is lovely and what is admirable. Think about these things. Think about these things. Think about what you're thinking about. You need to think about what you're thinking about. You need to think about what you're thinking about. What are you thinking about? Are you thinking about the things that are right and that are true, that are honorable, that are right? When you think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise, now watch this. When you think about what you're thinking about and you're thinking about things that are right, and I'm going to see how many times I can say think about because this is really cool. Think about. If you do this, watch. Then. 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 The God of peace will be with you. 
You don't get the peace of God by what you pray about. You get the peace of God by what you think about. When I think about what's true, when I think about what's right, when I think about what's honorable, when I think about what's worthy of praise, when I think about these things, then the peace of God comes in my life. And can I tell you, I so want this for you. I so want the peace of God to be in your life. And the way that you get peace is not just by deflecting all the bad, but it's by absorbing truth into your life. Thinking about such things. Think about it, think about it, think about it. Paul says this all throughout the books that he wrote in his epistles about us keeping our our eyes to heaven, focused on him, not on the things of this world. This verse, look at this verse in Isaiah chapter 26 says this, you will keep him in perfect peace, all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are what? Fixed on you. Listen, if you don't fix your thoughts on God, your peace meter will be low. And I'm gonna tell you right now, if your peace meter is low, It's probably because of what you're thinking about. I can almost guarantee it with 100% accuracy that the things that you're thinking about are decreasing your peace. But God says, listen, if you can find a place where you can fix your thoughts on me, things that are true and lovely and of good report, what I'm telling you, when we hear the word peace, we immediately start thinking about peaceful circumstances, peaceful marriages, peaceful situations. That's what we think of when we think about peace. That, oh, my marriage is just going to get fixed by itself. That my kids are finally going to obey. That nothing in my life is going to break. That I'm going to go and I'm going to open up my bank account and it's just going to be like, you have all of this money. So when we think about peace, oftentimes we're thinking about peaceful conditions. But when God talked about peace, he never talked about conditions. He actually was speaking about you. See, because I can't promise you that in 2018 you're going to have peaceful conditions. Someone may die. Something tragic may happen. I pray that it doesn't. You may lose your job. You may go through financial turmoil. Your marriage may really be struggling. Your kids may rebel on you. We pray that that doesn't happen. But I'm going to just tell you right now, I can promise you that God wants to give you peace that you can go through those things so that you can continue to stand and believe that God is faithful and God is good no matter what I go through. That is peace. Peace is not peaceful circumstances. Peace is the inner confidence that God is good, he's faithful, and he loves me despite what I'm going through. And I so want that for your life. Because tomorrow morning, something may not go the way that you want it to go. But do you know you can still have peace? Because peace and joy are under your jurisdiction. You choose if you get to have it or not. And if anybody took your peace, it's because you gave it away. So listen to me. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind and thoughts are fixed on you. Would you write that down on a card and put that in your car? Put it on your windshield, put it in your mirror, put it in your bathroom. Some of you just need it. That needs to be your your verse of the week. That God, I just want to fix my eyes on you. And I'm going to tell you, the way that you do that is you get in this thing right here. The word of God, which is living and breathing. And that you, you don't only just read the Bible, but you let the Bible read you. Because this is what happens. We start praying things like, God, search me and let me know if there's any anxious ways and ancient thoughts. And he starts going, yeah, there is some anxious stuff there. And you're like, okay, God, mind your business. All right, I didn't. All right? And he starts going, hey, man, you got that anger issue with your wife, man. You keep spouting and saying stuff you shouldn't be saying. You're like, God, I told you not to talk about that, Okay. But he starts doing this. The way you lead your business, the way you lead your home, the way you lead your life, 
And he starts speaking to you. And, and listen, it says, if, it's conditional, if, if you'll do these things, then, if, and then, if I'll fix my thoughts on God, then the overwhelming, surpassing peace of God will be ruling and reigning in my life. So I wrote down a declaration that I want us to, uh, to declare over our own lives. And uh, I'll, I'll post it today on, on our Facebook somewhere so you can just have it. And, and I want you to make it your own. You can take this and make it your own. But I want us for the next seven weeks to, to declare this as a declaration, uh, next seven weeks, seven days. Um, you can do it seven weeks too, but let's do this for the next seven days. Let's make a declaration that this is, this is gonna be us. So this is what I want you to do. You're not gonna write it down because you're not gonna have enough time. It's gonna be a lot of things. I want you to close your eyes. Can you do that right now? Just, uh, I don't want any distractions in this moment. I just want you to close your eyes. I want you to listen to this. Jesus, you're first in my life. I exist to serve and glorify you. I'll love my wife. And if you're a wife, I'll love my husband. I'll, I will lay down my life to serve her. My children will love God and serve him with all of their hearts. I will nurture and care and train my children to do more for God than they can possibly imagine. I am growing closer to you, Jesus, every single day. I am anointed and equipped and determined to reach people that are far from Christ. My words, my thoughts, and my actions are under the power of Christ. I take every thought captive and I make it obedient to Christ. I live my life with power every day, with purpose every day. I love people. I believe the best in people. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires that are in me. I am blessed beyond measure because the Holy Spirit dwells in me. I bring my best and then some to work. The world will be better and the world will be different today because I served Jesus and I am a servant of the Most High God and I am his most beloved. Amen.